Well, good morning. Uh, well, I guess after that, I should probably explain a few things. So, uh, no, I didn't forget my wife's birthday. Uh, and no, I don't like sweet tea. So, yes, it's, if, if my time here is done, I understand. Okay, so I was told after the first service that I did not explain well enough the whole Sparkles nickname, so I guess I have to give a little bit of context on why they call me Pastor Sparkles. Uh, The nickname actually goes all the way back to high school. Uh, My senior year, I was the band colonel in marching band. Yes, I was like the leader of all of the band nerds. It was fun. Uh, And with my uniform came a very sparkly gold cord on my shoulder. It was gold, glittery, sequined. And my senior year of high school, they called me Colonel Sparkles. And that carried over into ministry, and I had a student I told that story to, and she said, oh, so now you're Pastor Sparkles. And it stuck. So here I am. Uh, You can look at my truck. There's a big tag on the front that says Pastor Sparkles. And a few times a year, I do some other things that really add to the Sparkle nickname, but I won't spoil the fun. Uh, One day when the masks go away, you'll you'll find out the, the rest of the Pastor Sparkles story. Um, But my name is Ricky. I am the middle school pastor here at Heartland. Uh, We've been here about six months now, and I have to honestly say that this has been one of the best transitions my family has ever made, one of the best moves. Um, Being here, we absolutely feel like home, and I cannot thank you all enough for welcoming my family. Um, It's nice after six months to look out to a crowd this large and actually recognize some faces. Uh, A few weeks ago, I probably wouldn't have been able to name half of you, but now I think I've got at least half in the room that I could maybe put a a name with a face. Uh, But we really enjoy being here. Uh, I do want to thank all of you for being here this morning. If you are joining us online on Facebook or heartchurch.live, wherever you are, thank you for joining in. Uh, There are so many other things you could be doing, so many other places you could be, and yet you've chosen to be here together worshiping with us. Uh, For many people, getting up on a Sunday morning and going to church is just something that we do. I honestly can't remember a time in my life growing up, even now as an adult, where church was not something that we always did. It was an expectation. Uh, I thank my parents for always making sure I was at church. Uh, In my home now, it's no different than when I grew up. Church is something we do as a family. Unless you're sick, you're going to be here together. And I'm confident that I would not be standing where I am today doing what I'm doing now if it weren't for my parents encouraging me and bringing me to church growing up. That being said, church should be more than just something that we do. Because a lot of people do church. They come every week, we serve our time for an hour, and we go home. And I'd venture to guess that in a crowd of this size, that there's probably many here that are here out of obligation, not because you want to be here. Here because it's Sunday morning, and that's just what we do. Now, don't get me wrong, being here on a Sunday morning is extremely important. Worshiping together as the assembly of God, that is a biblical mandate. Do not neglect to meet together. Corporate worship is so important. However, just going to church on Sunday is not what it's about. I mean, I grew up going to church every time the doors were open. In a traditional Southern Baptist church, that was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and usually every other Saturday, we had something going on, and we were always there. But fulfilling a weekly obligation, sitting here for an hour, that's not what God wants of us. He wants a full commitment. Genuine relationship with Christ is more than just an hour a week. 
It's really easy to be religious. It's easy to do religious things, especially when you come to church every week. But it's another thing completely to have a committed relationship with Christ, a life that shows who Christ is in your life outside of these four walls, outside of the church, a life that would leave no doubt in your everyday living of who you follow, who you belong to, a life that is filled with more than just casual Christianity, but a life that is about pure religion. This morning, that's what I want us to talk about. What is pure religion? True, unwavering, perfect religion. If you have your Bible this morning, please turn with me to the book of James chapter 1. This book, if you did not guess this, was written by a man by the name of James. Uh, this is not uh, one of the disciples. Is not, he was not one of the 12. In fact, the James who authored this book was the half-brother of Jesus. But what a lot of people don't know about James, I mean, if you read your scripture, you, you can find it, but James was not a believer in his brother as the Messiah while he was alive. It wasn't until after Jesus' death that James came to faith in Christ. When he finally did commit his life to Christ, there was n- absolutely no turning back for him. He was adamant that it needed to be all or nothing. He gave every part of who he was to a life that served Jesus. And James is a great example for every single person because it is never too late to believe and to follow Jesus. Never too late to commit to what the word of God has to say. God loves us too much to commit to the word of, let me say this differently. God loves us too much not to play a game with church. He wants us to follow him. Everything he did for us, it's not about coming in on a Sunday morning. It's about giving every part of who we are. If you've been going through the motions, maybe you even have that little bit of doubt that what we're saying is even true. Now is the time to get away from that, to get away from just playing church, away from just being religious. Because empty religion was then and still is now useless. So let's look at a passage of scripture here in James chapter 1. We're going to read a few verses and we're going to focus in on the the last part here this morning. I'm going to start reading in verse 19. It says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless." Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. The word religion used here, uh, we look at it defined in Webster's Dictionary, is the service and worship of God or the supernatural. James knew that many people looked at religion then the same way as a lot of us now. It was a duty. It was just something that they did. Many today look at religion as a requirement to go to heaven. If I go to church every week, if I say my prayers at bedtime, if I try not to kill anyone, 
maybe it'll be good enough. If my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds on this cosmic scale of justice, maybe it'll be enough to get me into heaven. Praise God, my salvation isn't based on how good of a person I am. My salvation is based on how amazing Jesus is and how merciful he is toward me. The new life that we receive in Christ, it isn't just salvation from hell. It's not our get out of hell free card as a lot of people like to look at it. It's a new life that begins and continues for eternity. With salvation should come a desire to serve Jesus, a desire to live a better life, a desire for pure religion as we see here in James chapter one. And here James takes it to the next level and shows us what true religion is. If true, pure religion exists in our lives, then there will be fruits that show because of it. First thing I want us to see this morning is that pure religion exists in our speech. All throughout this book, James talks about the tongue. It's interesting to me that in this passage, the illustration he uses is that of a bridle, a device used to control a horse. Without one, the horse is gonna go wherever it wants. Now, I'm not one who rides horses regularly, if you didn't know that. In fact, I probably have not been on a horse since maybe middle school or high school. I know that a lot of you are very active in that, in that world, uh, but I don't have to ride a horse every day to know that I cannot control a 1,500-pound animal by myself without the proper tools in place. The tongue is one of the smallest parts of the human body, but if we're not actively controlling it, it could cause more destruction than anything we could ever imagine. So when is our tongue out of control? When we gossip, when we use foul language, when we lie, when we tear other people down, when we use more words to hurt than we do to help, when we talk more about politics than we do about Jesus. How often are you using your voice to build someone up? How often do you complain and criticize instead of encouraging and edifying? We can be religious and do this church thing every week, but if we can't control our words, then our religion is worthless. Let's look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. He said, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What we say is just an outward reflection of who we are on the inside. And Jesus knew that. An orange tree will never produce apples no matter how much you yell that it's an apple tree. And vice versa, an apple tree will never produce oranges. What's inside will eventually come out. You may be able to fool some people in your life, but at the end of the day, God will always know your heart. The people you're around the most, the ones that know you the best, they know when you're pretending. They know when you're being fake. But when we bridle our tongue, when we take control, that's an inward change. That's a heart change. Anyone can just change what they say. They can put on a front. But pure religion, pure religion, that comes from within. And we can only do it by relying on the Holy Spirit to change who we are. James and Jesus aren't saying that we'll never say something that we shouldn't ever again. All of us are going to say things that we regret. 
things we wish we could take back. We're all going to make mistakes. The real problem here comes with those who are constantly doing this over and over and over. People who never seem to have a positive thing to say. There's many sins that we like to say are worse than others, and a lot of us are quick to point out those sins in other people. At least we're better than them. Gossip is a deadly thing. And that's one of the things that we're talking about here. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. If we have never had a true change in our heart, we will always revert back to our old ways. It's easy to pretend, but eventually the true person who you are is going to come out. And in this current political climate, I think we've seen a lot of the worst in people. A lot of people have said things that are just downright mean. And at the end of the day, every politician, every single voter, we all have one thing in common. We are all image bearers of our creator. So be careful what you say. Because when you insult them, when we celebrate the death and illness of our enemies, of those that we disagree with, what we're saying is that they're less important to God than you are. And with social media, there's a lot of keyboard warriors out there. So let's take that platform. Let's use our words to build people up and not tear them down. And after the election next week, because it really is right around the corner, let's celebrate that God's will has been done. Not our will, God's will. Let's encourage each other. Let's bridle our tongues and prove what pure religion is. Be known for your positive words, not the negative side of things. All of us can think of that one person that never has anything kind to say, but on the flip side, I'm sure many of us can think of that person that's always bubbly, always positive, always finds the silver lining and builds people up. Be that person. Use your words to show love not hate. Bridle your tongue. Be the person that not only looks like a Christian, but the one who sounds like a Christian too. Another thing we see here in chapter 1, verse 27, uh, we see that pure religion exists in our service. Verse 27 says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Such simple words, visit orphans and widows. Many of us think we do a good job at this, and reality is I think some people do, but there's always more that can be done. So let's start by looking at ministry and service to widows. We see scripture all throughout the Bible that talks about the importance of this, about caring for widows. First and foremost, we have an obligation to our families. If someone in your family is in need, take care of them. Care for your aging parents and grandparents who are in need, for your sibling or your cousin that's lost a spouse. The first person in line to help should always be that, their immediate family, and that is our responsibility. As a church, we should be looking after those who don't have family there for them. And I really think that Heartland does an amazing job of this. But there's always more that can be done. Always going to the next level. I think of a sweet widow that my family knew for a long time who had no children, she had no living relatives, and she really wasn't in the best of health. Her family was our church. She was there every Sunday, every Wednesday, faithful, loved to be around people. But for the other five days of the week, she was home by herself. 
holidays, special times of year, day in, day out, you name it, she was alone. One year for Christmas, PJ and I decided to invite her over to spend Christmas with us. The joy that was on her face when she knew she wasn't going to be spending Christmas alone, that's what made it so worthwhile. And we didn't do it because we felt like we had to. It would have been so much easier to have Christmas with our crazy family by ourselves without bringing somebody else into that chaos. But if you don't know this about me, Christmas is my favorite holiday. In my opinion, it is not inappropriate to listen to Christmas music 12 months out of the year. Thank you. There are a few that agree with me. For everyone else, you're like my wife. And the rule used to be no Christmas music before Thanksgiving, but this year she's given me permission we can listen to Christmas music on Halloween. So on Halloween, I will be passing out candy with Christmas music on in my earbuds because it is never too early to celebrate Christmas. Such an amazing time of year, so much joy that comes with what we celebrate at Christmas time. We wanted to share that with somebody else. Right now, we are in a time of this extended isolation for so many. It's been months and months, and some people have even left their homes because of the health risk involved. And that's very true of a lot of our widows. If a name has popped into your head in the last few minutes, that's your cue. Make a phone call. Take them a meal. Just check on them. Make sure they know they're not alone, that they're loved. If you're sitting at home and you're watching right now and you need something, reach out to us. Call your heart group leader. Call a friend here at the church. Let us be here to serve you. I know I'm the middle school pastor, but one of my favorite things to do is spend time with our senior adults. A few weeks ago, I got to go to lunch with them. I love doing those kinds of trips and things. It really is one of my favorite, favorite times. There's so much wisdom to be gained from the life experience there's so much to learn. So don't get so busy in your life that you forget to reach out to those other people, to spend time with your loved ones. I mean, I'm just as guilty of this as everybody. But church, we need to step up. We need to serve our widows. We need to serve them in our church, in our communities, in our families. No one should be forgotten. And I promise you it will bless you just as much as it blesses them. Now in terms of service, James tells us there's two things service to widows as well as orphans. Some translations might use the word fatherless. Now, I know when I say the word orphan, we think of hundreds of kids living in this massive orphanage, living on bread and water like little orphan Annie. And while that does still exist around the world, we have an obligation to the modern day orphan here in our own backyard, here in Polk County. Every single day all across our state and our country, children are moved from their homes and placed into the foster system. No matter the reason, these children have been through a lot. Just the process of moving alone, being separated from their families, being placed in a home with family they've most likely never met. I've got some staggering statistics I want to share with you this morning. At any point in the U.S., there are between four and 500,000 children in the foster system in our country. But at the same time, across denominations, there are around 400,000 churches in our country. If one family, just one, one family from every church in our country 
would be willing to open their home to one or two children, there would not be one kid looking for a bed tonight. Of those 400,000 kids, 120,000 of them are eligible for adoption. No parental rights, looking for a forever home. If one family out of every three churches across denominations would say, I'm willing, and take that child into their home, there would be no child waiting. No child looking for that forever home. So what does that mean for us? Maybe you're that family. Maybe not. Maybe you say, I can't take a child into my home. But imagine what the foster system would look like if every person in every church rallied around those few families that were able to open their homes, willing to foster and adopt. The most recent number we've looked at is that we have about 1,000 family units within Heartland Church. If just five families from this church were willing, everyone else rallied around them. That's a ratio of 200 to one. Imagine what 200 families could do to support one family. At one time, our church had more than 50 heart groups, and we're working to build back up to that number. And recently, we've seen so much work from our heart groups, and we've seen what they've done serving in our community. So here's another thing we could do. Maybe 10 heart groups adopt one family to support. 10 groups of people, 200 families. I don't know about you, but I like those stats. So how could we serve? What could we do? Take them a meal. Offer to babysit. There are so many ways that we can meet the needs of these kids. As a denomination, we have ministries like the Florida Baptist Children's Home. They're now called One More Child. Their goal is to find a godly home for every child in foster care. And we hear horror stories about what the foster system looks like and all the crazy things, but that isn't always the way it is. These godly homes, they exist, and they need your support so that they can minister to these children. There are kids that need you to open your home. They need you to volunteer, to give. Find a way to serve the modern-day orphan. Two things that James emphasized above everything else in this chapter was ministry and service to orphans and widows, to care for them. So where can you get involved? What can you do to serve? The final thing that James tells us here in this chapter is that pure religion exists in our separation from the world. So what is this world that James is referring to? The world is anyone and anything that is without God. A society without God. Friends and family who are not followers of Christ. This world is ruled by Satan. And he wants nothing more than to drive us as far away as possible from God. And the best way for him to do that is to do what he did to Adam and Eve so many years ago at the very beginning. He questioned God. Planted a little seed of doubt. And that doubt, mixed with temptation, leads to sin. A couple weeks ago, I talked with our middle schoolers about the very first sin, the fall. Let's look at Genesis 3.6. It says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. So this passage directly connects with a, another passage in the New Testament. So let's look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. 
Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. The desire of the flesh, fruit was good for food. The desire of the eyes, it's pleasing to look at. The pride of life, she saw that it could make one wise. Adam and Eve had everything they could ever want, and temptation took that away from them. A moment of what they thought was this amazing freedom, supposed freedom, led to sin for all mankind, for us thousands of years later. And as Christians, we are called to be separated from the world, to avoid that temptation. Now, that doesn't mean we lock ourselves away. It doesn't mean that we don't talk to people who don't believe in God, that don't go to church, because we are also clearly called to share our faith. Separation from the world means we need to find our happiness, our joy in the things of God and not in the things of this world. Jesus had dinner with sinners, but he never participated in the sin. Pure religion, James says here, is being unstained from the world. That means that we are the ones influencing the world, not the other way around. It's easy to fall into temptation. It's easy to do what the world wants. I'm look back at Genesis to the story of Abraham's nephew, Lot. Many of you know this story. First, he pitched his tent near Sodom. Eventually, he moved into the city. And before long, the people of Sodom had influenced him, and he had become just like the rest of the city, just like the rest of the people. And when God judged the city, Lot lost his home. He lost his wife. He lost everything. And Abraham, the one who was influencing from the outside, the one who had separated himself from the world, he's the one who had the successful ministry. He's the one who rescued his nephew. The same was true of Jesus and Paul. They ministered to the lost. They spent time with them, but they were never like them. The best way for us to minister to the lost, the best way to maintain pure religion is to stay separated from the world. As we look at these seemingly simple things, we need to realize that none of this can be done on our own. We are dependent on God to equip us to have pure religion. There's a reason that the tongue is compared to a horse. That's because it's hard to control. Staying separated from the world is what allows us to put our resources towards ministering to the orphans and the widows instead of trying to keep up with the world around us, trying to keep up with the person next door. Having the desire to do this, it doesn't come easily. And it's only through the power and the conviction of the Holy Spirit that we're able to, through God drawing us to himself. Pure religion exists because of a relationship with our Heavenly Father, a relationship that is only possible because of the shed blood of Jesus, because of what he did for us. The closer we are to God, the easier these things are to do. In a few minutes, we're going to have our prayer crosses open. The band is going to come out and, and sing for us. What is God calling you to do today? What do you need to lay at his feet and give him the control back? What do you need to get rid of? Do you need to change the way you use your tongue, the words that you say, 
Maybe there's people you need to apologize to for things that you've said and done. Is God calling you to serve? Maybe you're that one family. Is God calling you to come out and help our widows? Maybe there's a ministry here at Heartland that you've been feeling drawn towards. Maybe God is calling you to serve him, to see what pure religion is. But maybe you're here this morning and none of this makes any sense to you because it's hard to have this religion without having a relationship with Jesus Christ first. If that's you this morning, I encourage you to find somebody on our prayer team, talk with them, and see what it means to truly become a follower of Christ so that that pure religion can be a part of who you are. What is God calling you to do this morning? Let's pray together. God, thank you for today. Thank you for this passage of scripture and these challenging words to be more like you, to do things your way and according to your will and not what we think is right. God, I pray that pure religion would exist in every single one of us, that you would control our speech, that you would use us in service and that you would keep us separated from the world. God, I pray that you are glorified in all that we do and all that we say. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.